The indie author revolution has been around for more than a decade, but we indies continue to push the boundaries of what we're capable of, from getting over initial prejudices to staring down perfectionism and author imposter syndrome. We've become a force to reckon with. Now, after years of hustle and grind, we indies are rebelling again. Gone are the days of publishing a book a month until we drop, and in its place we're sowing the seeds of a better way. A way with more ease, abundance, and flow. Get ready to learn about indie authorship from a whole new perspective. We're about to cover everything from releasing your poverty mentality to manifesting your millionaire author destiny. I'm Carissa Andrews, and this is the Author Revolution Podcast. Well, hi there, guys. Welcome back to another episode of the Author Revolution Podcast. Oh, okay. So I'm going to give you a fair warning. Right the heck now. Grab your coffee. Be ready to go because not only do you have me <laughs> speaking super fast at high speeds, don't try to double time this episode, please, for the love of all that's holy. But you have two of us. Today, my podcast episode guest is Bonnie Paulson. She is the founder of FindingYourIndie.com and the amazing author of so many books, so many books. It's just 200 plus some odd books. It's pretty crazy. When I first entered her sphere, it was actually because of my PA Jenny. Like I've been looking for ways to be able to increase my ROI with ads for my author um, stuff, obviously the, the urban fantasy side of things. And Bonnie's name kept coming up over and over again. Now, I hadn't quite pulled the trigger because I wasn't quite sure who she was just yet. I had a lot of other things going on. And so I was just like, okay, who's this lady? Well, obviously, I met her at InkersCon, took her class, a couple of classes actually, and found myself absolutely enamored with this woman. Not only is she smart as a whip, like she is super duper smart, but she's one of those types of people where I can have a conversation at my speed, which is super fun. And not many people can do it. So it was super interesting to have this conversation with her. And while we started off talking about ads and like how to optimize your ads for the best ROI to be able to increase sales, we ended up delving into topics like direct sales and AI for authors and many others. So if you want a very broad range of topics that are super relevant for 2023, this episode, my friend, is it. Bonnie is a wonderful speaker. She has a wealth of knowledge. And I know you're going to love this interview. So without further ado, let's hop into it. Well, hi there, Bonnie. I'm so excited to have you on the Author Revolution podcast. It is like an absolute thrill because I want to, I've been wanting to pick your brain for quite a while. Oh, <laughs> thanks. You're so sweet. Yeah. And in the introduction, I talked about how you kind of came into my radar. For you, I don't know if you know this, but it was actually from my PA, Jenny, um, who actually got like me interested in like following what you and Mandy do. It was pretty cool. But for my audience who doesn't know much about you yet, do you want to describe what you do and like who you are? Yeah, sure. And Jenny is amazing. She's a sweetheart. So I'm so glad that we kind of know that way. We're like the Kevin Bacon, whatever, six degrees. Heck yes. Uh, two degrees. <laughs> uh, so yeah, my name is Bonnie Paulson and I um, own Finding Your Indie. That's findingyourindie.com. And we do um, ad management, uh, business consulting, marketing consulting. Uh, we do a lot of strategy planning for people. Yeah, just great stuff like that. And I, I'm actually really into the analytics side of, of ads and the marketing and what's working and what's not. And I'm really blunt. So sometimes I kind of hurt people's feelings, which is sucky. <laughs> but it's also, you know, like a tough love thing. I've, I'm a mom of six kids and I don't believe in flowering things up. I don't believe in wasting time. 
So if somebody asks me, hey, do you think my book is ready for marketing? And it's not, I will say it's not. So that's that's kind of, <laughs> I'm not the huggy person. So, but yeah, I, I love I love this industry. I love authors. I love the goal and the entrepreneurship, like the mindset the authors have. And I just want to see people succeed. And there's so what's so nice about this, and I say this all the time, is our industry is not a zero-sum game. Readers are constantly looking for re- for books. They're constantly looking for a good a good book. I'm a reader and I'm always looking for the next great book. And if you're not marketing correctly, you're not finding me and I want to find it. So right? I, I do this kind of selfishly, right? Like get me the good books because I don't, I want you to tell me what to read. I don't want to have to look for it. And I think that's what most readers are like. So I love that. That's well, me. first of all, I love that you're blunt because I live with a man who is from England. And so he is very blunt. I am so used oh, to I that. Love it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's almost like sexy blunt, right? Like, right. Right. Well, sometimes <laughs> there are other times where you're like, really, that's what you chose to say? Really? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, but it's with an accent. Come on, Carissa. Like that, anything that can be true. said with an accent. I can't that, do an accent true. for nothing. I don't forget yeah. that. Delete that. <laughs> like I totally can't either. So I won't even try. <laughs> But I will. It's so funny. Like he lives in my house, obviously. And he has two sons that are from England that came to live with us. I listen to their accents all day long. And it, when you're in person, it kind of fades away. But when you're on the phone, it's like, holy crap, you're British. Why wouldn't that happen? Wouldn't that happen? (laughs) Oh my gosh, I love that. Yeah, it's (laughs) funny. (laughs) Okay. Well, I think you touched on this next question just a little bit, but I'm curious. um, You are obviously an incredibly prolific and successful author yourself. So what was the tipping point? Like what made you decide to start helping authors with their like ad strategies and marketing strategies? So yeah, I get this question a lot. Uh, (laughs) I actually, (laughs) I actually didn't want to become an author service like at all. Cause I was just like, no, you know, I, I just wanted to help. I was helping people and I was helping my friends and helping people. They would tell their friends and they would come and help me. But what happened is people would only listen so much because it was free. So once I started charging, I realized people actually listen when they pay for the advice, when they pay for the help and they pay for the service. When they don't, they ignore it. And then they continue down this path of insanity, really, where they're copying what they've been doing over and over and they're complaining. And they're like, I can't figure out why I'm not succeeding because you're not listening. So that's when <laughs> I, I, you know, like really. And so yeah. I learned that when I started charging for consulting and I started charging for ad services, then it became where people actually started to do well. So I took, I had a collective, my collective clients in 2021, it was $275,000 for the year annual income for all of them combined. And then I took them the next year in 2022, I took them to 2.7 million. So we we times it by 10. Yeah. Like it was significant. And that was with advertising and with the things that I was telling them to do. I get that that's not going to be for everybody. However, when people pay for information, they usually apply it. Now, unless you're a course hoarder like me, I'm a course hoarder. So yeah, it's not a procrasta learner, perhaps. <laughs> yes. Oh, I love that. Yes. Procrasta learner. I'm a procrasta learner. It's fine. I yeah, love it. I see a course. Yeah. I buy all the courses, every course I can find. I'm like, I'll buy it. Sold. Right. Right. <laughs> I am very close to that. I, there were, there are so many courses that I haven't even touched as of yet, but I needed to pick it up for one way, shape or form. I missed internet marketing mastery, like by this much. I was like, oh, so I'm so irritated. Oh, uh, so they're doing to... so good. Oh my gosh. We have about 40, I think, because we, we were glad to keep it a, a small. That's why we did such a small launch. Those yeah. people in there are killing it. They're I just doing it. so good. Yeah. I'm so proud of those them. They're just doing great. So I can't wait until yeah. you guys open that one up again because I'm I'm definitely going to be hopping in there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that we would love to have you. Your energy would be great. Oh, I'd love it. I can't wait. Yeah. My my <laughs> my 
I was going to say friend, but she's also like my partner when it comes to the the marketing, the not marketing, the manifestational courses. Uh, Tammy oh, yeah. Tyree is in there. She's our, my board certified hypnotherapist. Yeah. So mm-hmm. she's, she's in there and she's telling me all about like how awesome it is. I'm like, thanks, Tammy. Thank you. I'm so glad that you got in there. Yeah. <laughs> she's a doll. Yeah. She's working her butt off too. I mean, it's, yeah. it's work, Carissa. It's not easy, but man, is it producing some serious I love uh, it. results. I, it's amazing. Yeah. I can't wait. In your experience, are there any patterns in the way that authors are advertising or marketing that you see happen a lot? Like is it a predictable thing that you can be like, okay, this is why your stuff is not working for you? Like, or yes. is it just typically just because they're not listening? <laughs> no. Well, usually it's because they're not listening or yeah. they're listening to everybody else. Right. So I'm, and this is me. I'm a mom. I'm right. Yep. Yep. <laughs> but here's, here's what it really is. The constant pattern that I'm seeing people come to me with is they say things like my last ad manager didn't work. My ads aren't working. My marketing isn't working. And I have to look at their stuff and I usually can tell them, no, it's not your ads or your marketing that isn't working. You don't understand your message. So what they, and this is something we do teach in IMM, and this is something that I won't take on authors if they don't understand their messaging. I won't take them on for an ad client. I'm very picky. I'm like, no, I'm not doing this. Because if you don't understand your message, then you don't understand who your reader is. I had a gentleman who told me that he writes Christian sci-fi something. It was like something, you know, very specific, Christian sci-fi action thriller, whatever. And I said, oh, then we're going to target. I have a great audience for that. And then I was told by him not to market to the Christian audience because that's not who he reads, who he writes to. And I said, but you just told me that's what you write. So when there's a disconnect there, that means that you don't understand your messaging. Now, if your messaging is solid, then you know who your reader is and you know who you're going to target and you know how to deliver the message. It's very easy, but so many people don't have that message. Now, Krista, let's say Let's say you are writing a book on sweet romance and then the next next series, you're like, oh, that, that series didn't make me very much money. Let's say it's five book series. And you're like, I am going to write steamy romance with thriller, you know, susp- susp- whatever. You have just completely disconnected from your message, from your audience. And I see that a lot. I think that's one of the most common things is that they are like not understanding that once you make that promise, you're... You, you're into it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. don't, don't, don't leave that, like leave, stick to it. And usually people will start to make money after about two series, like really good series, like two, th- two trilogies, you'll start to make some money you, and you can, you really can, but as long as you're sticking to that. So that's what I see. People don't understand their gotcha. message and they're not sticking to it. Gotcha. I, long, I can definitely, long answer. <laughs> yeah, no, I can definitely vouch for that because when I first started as an urban fantasy author, I don't even know that urban fantasy was really a a genre so much just yet. Like I was, it was, you know, early 2010 when I started writing. And so I thought for sure I'm writing fantasy, like just some sort of fantasy. I didn't realize what it was, but it it was like, so I kind of dabbled around in a lot of things. And overall it's like magic. It's, it's, you know, conglomerated into urban fantasy is my, my place. But in the beginning, I didn't have any clue, like no clue at all. Wow. Yeah. It's so weird. So you get it though, but you're like, oh, now I know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, sure. Now I, now I get it, but it's still, yeah, it's, it's still me, you know, bouncing around all the different types of urban fantasy. Let's do werewolves. Let's do this one. Like, I want to try all these different things. It's so it's yeah, like, and that's great. I mean, you you understand though, you're still in urban fantasy. You know, yeah. like I think that's yeah, yeah. huge. And I have people who come to me; they're making fifty thousand dollars a month, and they're like, I don't know how to scale this. And I'm like, Well, <laughs> first of all, <laughs> wow on you. That's awesome. Second, like. What, you know, what do you have set up? And so that's, again, it comes down to the message. Are you message, you know, are your readers attracted to your message? And so 
yeah, it's an urban fantasy is amazing. It's a great, great genre to write in. So right, good on for right. you. Well, I'm actually transitioning. Well, not transitioning, but like I am splitting into rom-com. Like I just kind of, after 20 some odd books, you get to the point where you're like, I'm, I'm kind of tapped out of fantasy ideas for right yes. now. I want to try something else <laughs> to cleanse my palate. And so the rom-com pen name feels so vastly different like knowledge-wise, trope-wise, under, like yes. understanding the story structure-wise than the urban fantasy ever did. So it'll, yeah. it'll be interesting to see how that one launches next year. But yeah, it's it's interesting how when you do understand, you know, the reader expectation or what you'd even want to read if you were reading that particular book, it's like, right. it, it changes the game. It really does. Yeah, it does. Good point. Yeah. So is there some sort of a budget ratio that you recommend that authors should adhere to when they're spending on their ads? Like, is it 25% of their profits, for example? Like, is there a specific range? Well, and I think this is, so this is going to be determined upon where you're at in your, in your business, right? I believe in growth um, and growth investing. However, if your stuff isn't right, if you, again, if you don't know your message and your stuff isn't marketable, you probably shouldn't be spending anything until you get that right. So this is where you check your reviews, right? Where, are your reviews saying, yes, they nailed it. Yeah. Oh, this is not how I was, what I was expecting. This was totally unexpected. That's where you want to be checking for your actual message, right? Check, yeah. check the readers are gathering. Once you know for sure that your stuff is marketable, you always start off with 10% just to see that's usually where test testing is. I even do say like $5 a day on the first book and series, start there, see where you're at. And then if you're growing, then that means that you can go up to 10%, go up to 15% and 20% and then hold there. Don't go above 20%, hold there until that has become your new 10% because your your income grows, right? Yep. So once that becomes your new 10%, then you can grow again. Okay, yeah, let's push up to 15% again. Let's push up to 20% again. And as long as the book one or whatever book you're advertising, I'm a huge, I'm a huge pr- pusher of book ones and box sets. So if you're pushing book one and book one is constantly in your major moneymaker set, right? I use author helper suite. So it shows you like the top five moneymakers. Okay. So book one, if it's constantly in there, then you know, your ads are working and you know that the read through is going to be pushing you up to the next percent level, right? Always up to the next tier. It's always, that's what you're chasing. So, but you don't want to spend 50% of your income hoping you're going to get there because you're going to be like, ah, this is bottoming out. I don't know what's happening. So 10%, 15, 20, 10%, 15, 20. So that's how I do it. I love that. I love that. And so do do you look back then just like the month previous or do you look back two months? Like how far back do you look in order to increase that 10% to 15%, et cetera? Well, usually it's actually of, so like if I put, if I get a brand new author to me um, and I'm going to be managing their ads, usually what I'll say is I'm like, look, let's look at your budget first. The first month is going to be a test month, first of all, because usually they're coming to me because they don't know what their audience is or they don't understand how they're running their ads or whatever. So I look at it and I'm like, what budget have you been under? And let's say, let's say they're making $10,000 a month and they've been spending five. I usually am like, okay, we're going to cut that in half and we're going to stick it for the next month at 2,500 and we're going to maintain that 10. So your net has gone up. So once we get the net stabilized at a higher percentage, then I'll say, okay, now we're going to adjust that 25% of at the 2,500. And we're going to actually see if we can cut that down and cool it a bit so that we can get the net to go up higher, right? I don't care if the 10 grand doesn't adjust. What I'm worried about is the net. Once we can get that in place, then it's like, okay, now let's go up to 3000 and see if we can push you up to 12 to 15,000. So that's, that's really, yeah. I I don't even know if that. No, that that totally makes sense. Yeah, no, I I totally get that. That's, that's great. Cause I think it's, it's really helpful for us to understand like, what should that process look like? I know for me, it's been like, okay, I'm trying to grow this thing. So let's put as much of the profit in there as I can actually afford 
and yeah. you know, in the past. <laughs> and so then you're kind of like, okay, when is this ever going to get bigger or, you know, whatever, because making it work the way it should. Yeah. Well, so many authors too think, and business owners think that it's a sprint, like hurry up and dump all the money into it that you possibly can, but it's actually a marathon and you really want sustainability. So if you're not working on reader retention and you're not working on slow growth, the, you know, the gradual growth of your business, and you're just working on what's going to happen in the next 30 days, you're constantly going to be chasing failure. You really are. Instead of having a growth plan, having a, a okay, I'm in the next three months, I, I plan on spending this much money so that my income is going up as well. So that's really what you're looking for is a marathon mentality instead of that. Yeah. All right, I've read all the things, spend all the things and oh crap, why am I have, why do I have no money? You yeah. know, so. Yep, yep, for sure. Absolutely. So, okay, here, here's a question from my audience. If authors have only a single book or maybe just a couple of books, should they even be advertising or should they wait until like, is there a tipping point, I guess, to when they should start the advertising process? Yes, there is definitely a tipping point. So if an author has just a single book out and I I hear people say, oh, you should always advertise the book. You should always advertise every book you have out. I don't, I don't agree with this at all, (laughs) at all. In fact, if an author comes to me and they have one series and it only has three books, I'm like, no, you're not ready for me because they're not ready for me. What they yep. need to have is they need to have a series that's complete with a box set or multiple box sets, depending on how many books are in that series, and starting a new series with a, you know with their prequel or whatever they have up. So they're growing their newsletter and then they're working on that series. So we have a backlist plus box sets and another beginning of a series. That's what you want to do for so if, that's what you want to do for your marketing. So you're you're not blowing your cash because that's literally yeah. what you're doing. Let's say you have one book and it's a standalone. Oh my gosh. <laughs> For, yeah, I can't even. I I don't even have, think they have cuss words for that. It's like, no, stop it. Stop. If you are a new author, do not write a standalone until you have three or four series out. Once you have the series out and people are addicted to you, absolutely do standalones all day long and make sure they're nice and long and meaty, right? But Stephanie Meyer, I don't know if you, if you know Stephanie Meyer for Twilight, she had the four books in the Twilight series, and then she came out with the host. Yep. The host didn't do as well as Twilight, but it did fun- it did the phenomenally better than a lot of other people's stuff did. And, oh, yeah. and it was still the same style, the same trope, right? Different genre, but it was still that fantasy and that paranormal romantic thing. So if you haven't read The Host, read it. It's like totally a different take on sci-fi romance. But it was really good in that she had her series and her readers followed her to that one. Like that's what she did. Now, if she had started with The Host, she would have sucked. It would have sucked. Sure. Nobody would have read it. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I so can... that's what I'm always telling people. Yes. Have a series first, have at least three books. Then you can start $5 a day or whatever on book one. But you, this is not writing is not a get rich quick thing. This is not MLM. At least it shouldn't be. <laughs> so, so you need to be putting the time in. And I, if I'm going to put, I'm going to put this plug in there too. And I, I, I say this and it's kind of controversial. I don't believe rapid release is a good business model unless you rapid, unless you release like that constantly. I know a lot of writers who are, who release once a month because that's how they write and that's what they do. But if that's not normal for you, then it's great to use rapid release as a marketing tool, but not as a writing strategy. Does that make yes, sense? Like totally makes okay. sense. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's great. But like hoard those books, like you're doing your rom-coms, right? Like hoard the books, release yep. the first series. Then guess what? You've got the first series released in what, six weeks, bam, start advertising those and get going on the next series. Like that's the best way to use rapid release, but love it. I people totally hate when I say that. <laughs> no, I totally agree. 
when I started, I actually have a program called Rapid Release Roadmap. And when I was starting the process of like filtering all the different ways rapid release can be applied to authors, I was like, I, I could not physically bring myself to like teach the the like book a month book, you know, two books a month. So it was like, I had to call all that, say, here are some options. If you're interested in doing it this way, you can, but I'm going to teach right. you how to do it more sustainably. So I, I teach how to do it up to four books a year and then give them two right. options, either hoarding the books or spreading it out quarterly so that the readers know what they're supposed to be getting. Because it was just, it was so crazy. Authors were burning out. They were getting overwhelmed and readers were like, where's our books? And it was just like, ah, <laughs> you know? Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. I totally get it. For sure. Yep, I agree. That's awesome. I like that. It sounds like your course is pretty cool. Ooh, thank you. <laughs> I think it's cool. I do. <laughs> um, okay, so where should authors not waste their time and resources in marketing? Like, is there a place where they shouldn't be like putzing around with? Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I have so many. So again, I'm really controversial, but I'm super blunt and bold. So an author should be focusing their time and resources on building their brand. This does not mean I'm saying, no, don't do anthologies or whatever. But what I'm saying is if you're looking at it and you're like, oh, I want to do this anthology, I have to write in an anthology or I'm going to write in this, you know, this collective series of other authors. If you don't, if you're already struggling, let's say to get four books a year, if you're already struggling to get that and that's tight, you adding something else that's going to be a burden on your brand and that's not necessarily going to push your brand isn't really helping you. That's kind of a waste of a resource, right? Like that's a book. So if you're like, hey, can I just do an excerpt? Can I share? Can we just be in like some kind of a swap thing? That's a great way to push it. I also don't think going in Facebook groups is really a smart way to do it. But I'm, you know, I'm also like anti going in groups. I'm like, no, don't put me into a group. But it does work (laughs) for some people. But I just feel like the best thing for people to do is get out there and talk about their books. Don't be annoying. Don't DM people. But get on your Facebook pages, get on your TikTok, if you have TikTok, whatever your social media preferences are, and really make sure that you're building your newsletter list because that's the people who want to hear from you. They really want to hear from you. And that's where you should be focusing. I think one of the biggest things is that new authors come in and they're like, I have to be in this anthology and I was asked to do this and I was asked to do this and all these things. And I'm like, yeah, but what is that doing for you? What is that doing for you? There's a big author in that book their readers are getting that to read that big author. They may or may not read yours, you know, but what you should be doing is really building. Yeah. That's, that's where I think it is, is people need to be working and focusing on their branding building. So in a couple of years, yeah, great. Go ahead. Do an anthology. If you have time, if it's not struggling, if it's not making, you know, putting pressure on you, which I, I really just, I want people just to work on their own stuff, especially when it's so much work for people to put their books out, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I know that was a lot. <laughs> no, I think that that totally makes sense. And it it's so funny. Becca's going to laugh. So do you know, you know, Becca Syme, right? Yeah. Yeah. She. I was just speaking with her yesterday about strengths. And I swear you must have maximizer in your top five because I hear like the language of it over and over with oh, the, really? the way that you, yeah, you must like to, to boost people up in their successes. And so when they're not doing what is best to their success. It's like, you're like, ah, dang it. So I would be, I would be shocked. I would literally fall off my chair if Maximizer was not on one in like your top 10. (laughs) It's not, it's like 18, I think. Yeah. Are you kidding me? No. And and like empathy or compassion or whatever. Empathy is like 20. I was like, (laughs) what? (laughs) Wait a minute. (laughs) Oh my gosh. That is so funny. Yeah, okay, that's well, awesome though. Then apparently I am just hearing things. I swear to God, I was dreaming about strengths all night last night. It was crazy. Becca oh, I love that though. The strengths are <laughs> awesome. I think they I think are. that's another thing people should be focusing on too is what are your strengths? Play to your strengths. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So 
speaking of strengths, I don't know if this is a, a good place to to go here, but let's try it. So are there any <laughs> genres like where the, it, like it's harder to advertise than others? So like your passion is, let's say, you know, romance where it's a little bit risque, whatever. Is there a, a genre that it's so hard to be able to like go there and advertise and, and get people no. interested? No, no, I have not really? had any, any. So literally marketing is, so I, I have like my own definition for marketing. Marketing is just finding the people who want to hear your message. That's all marketing is. And if you're found, right? Like we, we scroll past things all day long marketing. I mean, people wear shirts that have logos and we, we ignore all the marketing, but when we see something that catches our eye, that's for us, we're hit, right? We're like in it. Like, oh yeah, I'm so there. Like me, if I see anything that has to do with food, what, how are you doing? I'm here, right? Like (laughs) I'm right there. You have a picture of food or a video of food. I will watch it. (laughs) guaranteed. I don't care what kind of food it is. I will watch it. That's my, cause that's my interest. Right. But guess what? I pass up every single shoe ad I've ever seen ever. Cause I don't care. I don't, I don't care what's on my feet. My husband usually buys my shoes. I don't care. So it's like, you know, we are literally programmed to ignore the things that we don't want to see because we're bombarded with marketing so much. So if I am interested in dog memoirs, guess what? I'm going to really pick up on the ad that talks about dog memoirs if it's done correctly. So I I don't believe in, I don't believe that there's any book that's out there that's hard to market. I have a lot of ones, a lot of people who write uh, really smutty stuff. And I say that with love, like the whole smutty, like tons of sex and whatever in it. And I can market the crap out of it. And they come to me, they're like, I don't know if you can mark this. I'm in the Amazon dungeon, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yes, so what? We can make money with this. We just have to find the audience. And that's what we do. We find the audience. Urban fantasy, easy. Sci-fi, easy. Like it's all easy if we know who the if we know who the message is for so i don't think there is any taboo thing now if it's like not good you know like there's some fiction where i'm like nope i won't do it (laughs) like if it's non-consensual you know like you know like the kind of stuff that's not appropriate in real life like Mm. that kind of stuff for sure i did have someone who brought me i'm gonna totally like tmi i this one but i had an author (laughs) come to me and they were like yeah, this one's a bestial bestiality fiction. And I was like, wait, like shifters? And they were like, no. And I was like, eh, I'm out. <laughs> There's no. an audience, but I'm not finding them because I don't want it. <laughs> so I was like, nope. I could see that. Like, why thing. would you? Yeah. It was like, I don't want to be seeing that stuff. It's not fun. No, thanks. <laughs> no. Yeah. Your ad manager has to get intimate with your books. I wasn't yeah. interested. I was like, nope. I'm out. Yeah. I already do oh. shifters. I'm not doing that. That is too funny. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of where I was like, huh? Not the right ad manager for you. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I, I completely understand that one. <laughs> it was funny. It oh, was funny. Goodness. Well, yeah. it, it brings a great anecdote and, and yeah. poor, that poor author's probably like, why? But why? Yeah. <laughs> no, I was very clear. I was like, no, I'm not doing that. Sorry. Good, good. <laughs> that tough love came through right again. Yep. It yep, did. It's all good. <laughs> it totally did. That's funny. I love that. Yeah. Oh gosh. Okay. So if authors are wide, where is the best place for them to put their focus to get the best bang for their buck? This was an, an audience polled question as well. Like they're, they're a wide author. They need to know like where to put their focus. What would you recommend? Okay. So there is a really, some really great strategies out there for wide books. Uh, the first one is if you're doing a first and free and you're obviously on Amazon and you're wide, the great place to put it is like Amazon ads. If you're first and free, but make sure your CPC is super low. We're talking like 12 cents, 13 cents dynamic up and down. Make sure your audience is targeted really tight. Once you're there, because that's that increases your rank, right? And it's just a steady flow. You can put it at five bucks and it just it'll just run. It'll just do really well. Now, if you're focusing on getting your wide audience 
increased, right? Which we all are. Everybody wants, if you're wide, you want all the readers, you want all of them. So <laughs> Facebook ads are some of the best ones for that, right? Um, newsletter promos are great. I'm not a huge fan of doing discounts all day long. So usually I recommend the box sets, get them in there or do a newsletter, like a newsletter magnet or something. Facebook seems to be the best pay to play right now. Uh, BookBub is good, but most of BookBub's audiences are really focused on discounts, discounts, mm. freebies. They're not really looking to be a, a reader that will stick with an author. So Facebook seems to be the answer right now. Now, TikTok, a lot of people are like, hey, go to TikTok. Do not run ads on TikTok. They're still trying to figure out their ad algorithm. Uh, it's not quite targetable. And I have tried. I've spent <laughs> so much money on there. I can't. I, I mean, we're talking like <laughs> almost six digits. So Ouch. yeah. So doing yeah. all the testing stuff. I would definitely say don't do it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And that's with my ads and stuff, the ad knowledge that I have. I'm like, yeah, this is not going to be a good return. However, um, and I did see later that there was like a YouTube ad question that you had. If I can put that in here. Yeah. I would um, love that. YouTube, YouTube ads are, they're okay. Right now, there's a controversy right now because of what Google's placement has been on with the YouTube ads. So if you are doing, I know a lot of authors do like an audiobook YouTube channel. So if you are pushing, ads to, and you're running ads and they take them to your YouTube channel, the audiobook channel, or even your author channel or whatever you're doing, that is a great place if you treat it like a funnel to run, you know, and that's what we always have to be thinking. How, what am I going to do with this? Is, is it grabbing someone just to grab a book sale or is it grabbing someone to put them into my reader retention system, right? My funnel. So right. I think that's like, there's a lot of options out there right now. Wide is Facebook. Like that's where you're, but always be on the lookout for other options because Instagram their ads don't do great, but man, if you can bump your page and get that going, Instagram's great for authors. Like there's especially wide authors. That's a great place too, but it's hard to control because it's the ads are super expensive and they're just not always effective. Sure. Sure. I know you're going to have to like slow down. Are you kidding me? You, you're you're like right at my speed. It's great. Okay, good. <laughs> I am following you wonderfully. Okay. So great, question okay. then when, if you were going direct, is Facebook still the, the place to be or would you recommend yes. Google ads? So, okay. Ooh, good question. Okay. So Facebook, what's nice about Facebook and Google ads is they all work on a really tight um, algorithm and they actually work well together. So if you're running Facebook ads and I am, I am going direct myself. So this is a great place for me to be talking about this. I'll be running Facebook ads to a degree. Um, I've heard people say that traffic ads aren't good, but they are. Traffic ads are really good because Facebook understands that we, we want clicks, right? To the landing page. As long as you identify what your result is, go to the landing page, right? Website. Mm -hmm. um, then that's what they're going to look for. They're not just looking for sales conversions, which we don't always want. Yes, we want sales conversions, but I want people to land on my direct sales page because they're going to be invested in that experience of my direct sales. That's what's so great about our own having a direct shop, right? Like yeah, you can do whatever yeah. you want there. You're not controlled by Amazon and just one landing page. You can do whatever you want. So when you're doing that, once you have that Facebook pixel in place and you place your Google Analytics pixel, anything that you're running from Facebook to Google trains your Google Analytics so that when you start Google ads, they're already trained and they already know what to expect. So targeting is really easy on Facebook. Then that makes it even easier with Google ads. Love Does that it. Sense? Oh, super yeah. easy. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. That is so. super interesting. Wow. I know. Okay. <laughs> you just now I'm like, make them all work Ooh. together. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, and that's, that's really what it is, is they want money too. And if you're making money because of the goals and results that you've set out, ad platforms can actually be very effective. Awesome. So now yeah. I'm, I'm curious if you're going, um, 
you're creating your direct shop. Are you using Shopify? Are you doing WooCommerce? What are you doing? So I'm doing Shopify. It's more expensive in the like, gosh, it's really not more expensive though. Cause I had a WooCommerce store and I had to pay up front for a bunch of stuff, right? Cause you want the frequently bought togethers and you want the also buys and you want the reviews and you want all these things. All of those are apps in WooCommerce because WooCommerce right. was bought by right. GoDaddy. So GoDaddy, as we know, is not a, uh, they're not for a nonprofit. Like let's be honest, WooCommerce <laughs> right. used to be like all free. Now it's like, hey, you have to pay because you sneezed. So I was like, <laughs> and WooCommerce is not very, it's not very customer supporty. Like there's not a lot of, it's not, it's, yeah, it's like you have to go find things and stuff. Shopify I found to be really uh, user-friendly and I'm a web designer, so I can do either, but the Shopify has been really great. I, in fact, I have a, I have a business um, author direct sales where we actually create the site and stuff for people and we do their automation and stuff because so cool. it's so much fun. <laughs> it's like, oh, right. click, 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 all the things. Well, I didn't know um, that. <laughs> oh yeah. It's all the things. Krista, I obviously am bored. So I have like nine businesses. Yeah. You only have yeah. six kids to keep you busy. Like you need something else to do. Right? <laughs> hey, I gave birth to workers. So they work. For me. <laughs> there you go. Right. Yeah, I have five, well, I have four left in the house and we've got workers too, but Yes. Now they're kind of going out of the house and they're getting old and like, then don't we don't let really them see do them that. Right? Say, I'm not going to feed you anymore. <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> so yeah. So I really like Shopify. Um, It has a whole, like there's a whole, if you put in your ads Shopify store, it has like a whole cult following as it is. It's pretty cool. Oh, I've had a couple clients who were on the author direct site on the author direct sales or whatever. And we transferred. I was like, are you sure you want to move from WooCommerce? And we did. And their income like tripled. So it's, it's a stronger platform. I I mean, it really is. And then there's people out there who are like, Hey, we're not going to do, or we're going to do Gumroad or we're going to do pay hip. There is really no wrong answer. It's really what's good for you. And you're going to move around. You just are. So you're in WooCommerce. You're going to go Shopify. Then you're going to be like, Oh, I'm going to do Thrivecart. And then you're going to be like, apparently I'm bored. I'm going to do pay hip. Like it's just all the things, right? So right. it's our problem is we have too many choices. <laughs> right, right. And then if you like to learn things and it's like, you got to test them all out to see which one you like best. And it's like all the things, right? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. You've been there. Got it. <laughs> I, that yeah. is definitely me. That is de- my husband's yeah. always like, you are not changing any covers this year. None of the covers get to change. And I'm like, what? it's going to be fun. That's rude. rude. (laughs) Yeah. Cause I'm always changing something. I'm always tweaking something. He's just like, uh, (laughs) yeah, that's me too. You're that's fine. We're in good company. Good company. Crazy, crazy, but we're good company (laughs) for sure. Yeah. I I completely understand that. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. Okay. Here's another audience poll question. Uh, what is the best way to reach teen and tween readers through advertising? Okay. So as we know that it's kind of illegal for them to have their own accounts, right? So the best way to get to a tween or teen reader is through their parents uh, and or grandparents. So I always, or aunts and uncles, like whatever, right? So the best way to do it is to make your pitch either really pitch towards the kids or pitch it to get the attention of the adults. So there's this guy, Lane Walker. He sells direct. Uh, I got his ads. He came across my Facebook feed. I don't know, a year ago, two years ago, it was for Christmas. And it said, moms, moms of boys, are you looking for And I was like, yes, yes, I am a mom of boy. And I am looking for, I have five boys. I'm like, yes, I want all the things. And he was like, here's a book about hunting. And I was like, yes, okay. Sold so far. Click went over there. And he was like, would you like to buy a series? And um, this is like, I'm seriously, this is exactly the experience I had. Would you like to buy a series or four series? And I was like, four series click. And then he was like, would you like to also get the workbooks that has the questions? Yes. Click. I went to get a book walked out with a $300 ticket. It was ridiculous. Right. But 
Santa was very popular that year. So in fact, it's my 17-year-old son, like favorite series. He's been reading it ever since we got, he reads it over and over and over and over and over. So that's how you get the readers. So every time this Lane Walker comes out with new books, I go on one click because I know my kids are going to love them. So that's the best way to get tweens and teen readers. Now, if you're looking to actually sell, I call it inaccurate YA fiction. Like if you're like inaccurate. So there is no way in heck that I'm going to be pushing some of the YA romances out there to my kids. (laughs) There's no way. However, I will devour those in a bag of Oreos on a Friday night in no time, (laughs) right? Because it's like coming of age and it's all the sex and it's all the romance and yes, yumminess. I'm not pushing that to my kids. So you, again, you need to identify what your real goals are. If Mm. your goals really are to write to the tween and teen reader readership, then you need to make sure that the message is clear in the books. And then you're identifying, okay, I cannot target them, but I can target their parents and I can target teachers and I can target librarians and I can target book clubs and I can target right? All of these things, grandparents, aunts, uncles. Are you looking for the best Christmas present? Are you looking for a great birthday present? It really is a great way to uh, get those readers out there. And there's a ton of them. There's a ton. So always, always do Kindle Fire because most of those kids at that age have fires. And so they too are getting the ads coming across their fires. So they can can take them to their parents. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. Like my son is constantly like, I just got this thing on my phone or on YouTube or on something like always. Can I have this thing? Yeah. All the time. Yeah. All the time. It's like, what is it? Yeah. Okay. That's fine. Like, we'll get that. That's fine. It got your attention. I'm good with it. But most of the books and stuff come through my feed and I'm like, yeah, I want this for my kids to read. I bought a series and they weren't interested and I read it. So it was fine. (laughs) I'd love it. It was paid off just fine. Yeah. (laughs) Worth it. Worth it. Worth it. So worth it. But yeah, that's, that's who you target really with those is you target the people with the money. Tweens and teens don't have money. Right. They just don't. So, yeah. <laughs> and if they do, they're hoarding it for like their car or their like motorcycle yes. or something. <laughs> or their Xbox. What is right? that? Or their computer like, that they're building. Yeah, like, what? <laughs> yeah. What is this? When I was a kid, I was that age. I was like fighting over the Otter Pops. I wasn't saving up cash for, <laughs> you know, like. I was fighting over who's going to bring me to the bookstore. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Exactly. Well, we had the library right next door. So I was like, Hey, oh, nice. I live oh. there. Yeah. It was good. That would have been awesome. Yeah. I, I, I did not live that close to the library. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was too good. cool. Yeah. I love it. Okay. So what metrics could authors be checking out to know whether or not their ads are actually working? Like if it, I, I know it's kind of a big question because there's many different ad platforms, but are there specific metrics that you keep an eye on? Like mm-hmm. when you're looking at them? Yeah. Yeah. So I run ads for on like most of the platforms and the metrics that I look at are CPC. CPC goes up or down based on your messaging. It really does. Um, The CPC will actually go up on Facebook if your audience is not really engaging on it. If you're not getting a lot of clicks and likes and stuff, which again shows engagement and like, I guess, appropriateness for that or relevance. Another one is a CTR. If your CTR is not higher than Okay, so for Amazon, it's 0.10 and Facebook, it's 10%. They just didn't do their stupid percentage mix in there. But it's essentially the same thing. If you're not getting one click out of every 100 impressions, then there's something wrong with your targeting. And it's always the targeting. Everybody's like, oh, no, my ads look this way. It doesn't matter what your ads look like. Really, it doesn't. It just needs to be eye-catching. You can just do a book cover. So if your message is accurate and it's going to the right people, you should be hitting at least a 10% or a 0.10% on AMS. You should be hitting that across those platforms, right? Like you should be. Um, And then there's going to be things where it's like the CTR, which is um, click-through ratio, but there's also like the CPR, which is cost per result. 
So mm-hmm. that's really what you're looking at as a cost per result. CPC is cost per click. And in Facebook, that's going to be charging you whether you hit like or share or comment or read more or whatever. So you're still getting charged. But when you look at CPR, then what you're looking at is, oh, okay, my result that I said I want is to get to the website. What's my actual result there? So that that tells you that's mm-hmm. a really great metric. But those ones are the most important ones that you're looking at on each ad platform. Your impressions on AMS and Facebook tell you if they're even going to give you the time of day. If Facebook is not giving you impressions on that ad, they don't want to show it. And it's because of something that the bots have decided is not what their audience, what any audience wants to see. Usually you can force Facebook to spend money because they're like a teenage kid, right? They're going to spend all the money, but they actually (laughs) won't show impressions. So yeah, that's, Uh those are the ones that I look at CPC, CPR, and CTR. Those are the main Is there ones. a specific range that you typically try to keep within for the click-through rate then? Like the actual Yeah, rate? the click-through, I really like to see it above, above 10%. But okay. if you're looking at, like that's true CTR. That's when they're actually clicking through. But the CTR that I like, that I'll accept anything above 4% because that's the one where they're clicking like, they're clicking engaged, they're clicking, right? So they're actually sure. taking that into account. So yep. yeah, I and I'll take that 4% above if the CPC is low enough. I'm not looking at anything over 24 cents unless I'm getting higher conversions. Yeah. Okay. So cool. anything, so that's Facebook. Um, AMS, I won't pay for anything higher than 89 cents. Refuse to. Okay. In fact, I actually reach out to their customer support and I throw a fit for any of my clients where AMS will be like, oh, well, you know, we we decided to put up to a dollar six. That's not what we agreed to. We agreed to this much money. This is what I put in there. And Dynamic up and down means you're going to double that. So if I'm giving you 46 cents and you're putting me at what, what is that? 92 cents. That's right. fine. I've agreed to 92 cents. I have not agreed to a dollar six. And so I actually go to bat with them constantly. I'm constantly in there. They, I think they hate hearing from me because I'm like, we agreed to this much. This is how much you charge me. I'm expecting a refund in the next two weeks of this much money. And I am horrible about it. Like I'm mean. And they're like, yeah, they finally got to the point where they're like, yeah, okay, that's fine. Yeah, we'll send it. We'll make sure you get your refund. They've t- a couple of times they've tried saying, no, no, you agree to it. No, I did not. And I have screenshots showing what my default bid is set at. So don't even go <laughs> up in there. <laughs> that's a really interesting thing. It's like, oh gosh, guys, are you watching those things? <laughs> Something else to watch for AMS is they have bots that will randomly turn on ads that have been previously been paused. So Seriously? you'll- yeah, this is a thing. It really is a thing. I'm, I go in once or twice a week on all of my AMS ad clients and I look through their stuff to make sure nothing's been turned on because it just randomly turns crap on. It's horrible. And I've heard so many people say, oh, no, it doesn't. I have a $500 bill that says it does that wow. I got from them. And I had turned off all of my ads, all of my AMS ads, because I was going through a whole rebranding thing. This is about a year ago. And I turned them off. I remember I turned them off because I reached out to one of my friends and I was like, hey, I'm just letting you know, I wrote it in my Facebook message. I was like, I'm turning off all my AMS ads. I'm going for a reset. I'm going to do a two-week reset. Those ads, every single one of them was on and spending at the high spent. And they were, it was about $498, $498. And I threw the biggest fit. I was going to say, did you get refunded on that? (laughs) Yeah, I sent them all my screenshots. I was like, these are the dates when I said I was turning stuff off. This is when I turned it off. And they were like, oh, I'm not sure what happened. And it happens a lot. A lot of people don't understand that it really does happen a lot. I've heard people say, oh, no, it doesn't. Yes, it does. (laughs) I would spend a lot of time fixing it. So yeah, it's crazy. It's really crazy. One of the things that I've noticed a lot, and I don't know if I'm just seeing things that have, I'm analytical, but I don't have the time to dig into it probably the way that you do. Where it's like, I, I have the advantage dashboard. I know authors, I'm so sorry that it's not available to us anymore, but like I will have something where it'll go, you know, oh, you 
sold, I don't know, $200 worth this day. And then you go and look at your, like any of your records in your sales. And it's like nowhere near that. Right. It's like, what in the world? How, like, who are they selling crap for? And like, it's obviously not my books or if it is, they're not, <laughs> not giving me information. For well, all of my books. Yeah. you're right. So here's what's going on. So one, I don't believe that we are getting, this is me. This is my conspiracy theorist side. Yes. I don't believe I love that it. we are getting, I, we, I don't believe that we're getting accurate sales information. That's just, I mean, it's too hard to say. And we've had people ask them for audits. They don't do it. It's fine. But let's say barring that when you go into AMS or you go into Advantage, you get marked. So if if someone takes clicks on your ad and they go to your book and then they click to another book, that's not an ad, but they click like maybe book two or they click on someone's in the also bots or whatever. If they click on something else, you get the credit for the for the sale, even though you didn't. It's not your book. Yeah. So it's Mm -hmm. ridiculous. So you'll be like an advantage and you're like, oh yeah, I'm sending this to this person. And they go to that, they go to your landing page and they see just below, oh, this is also, you know, I I see this other book I want to click on. It's, and that's what happens. You get, and then they're like, oh yeah, you got a sale. No, you didn't get a sale. What's unfortunate is with AMS ads, we don't get to say what our actual result is. We don't get to say, I want it to count only results of my book sales or my product sales. It actually will just count any sale. It's it's unfortunate, but it's that's what it is. Too many people actually follow their dashboards on AMS. They need to be looking at something like um, like Author Helper Suite, right? Where it shows yep. you how much you're making, how much you've spent on ads, what's clicking, what's not. That's what we should be looking at instead of the ACOS or you know the attribution tags. Oh, don't get me started on the attribution tags. <laughs> uh, there's It'd no be so fun logical- to put you and Mal in a room together and have you go at it. Oh, does Mal like attribution tags? Oh, that's yeah. She's been hilarious. she's been like teaching it and, and helping authors understand how they work. And I'm just like, who do I talk? Like who? What? <laughs> well, I'm coming at it from a very distrusting mentality. Yeah. So, I actually clicked on my attribution tag 150 times to test it, and I was getting bored. I was like, this is boring. And my kid was like, Mom, you're only at 110 or 111. And I was like, Oh, <laughs> okay. Click. Tell me what I can. You know. So I got to 150. For the and it says that they have a seven day attribution in the attribution tags. You know, for seven days it'll you'll have it's behind by seven days, whatever. Mm-hmm. It never once showed me 150. It showed me 61. That's as high as that link got. And I clicked on it, and it wasn't like click 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 click, so it could miss it. Yep. It was click. Okay, it went through and it logged it. Okay, click went through and logged it. And I did it 150 times and made sure it worked. And 61. So when we are seeing, this is why I don't like the attribution tags. I don't trust them because. Authors are using affiliate takes, right? They were, mm-hmm. and we're not supposed to, but we still did it and they were still getting paid out. So I don't, we, and we know that we weren't getting accurate information in there because they have to pay us money. We know this. Uh, when you're selling 10 of them to yourself and it only logs one, you know for sure, right? Like you're like, yeah. okay, why would they give us better information with an, another tag that's not paying us, but they are giving us better information? What they're What they're doing is they're actually data mining off of your information using specific attribution takes, right? Sure. So I just don't believe that they're giving us all the information. That's that's just, but see, that's me. I'm very mistrusting of, of companies and corporations. I don't believe that they're, that our best interest isn't in their hearts at all. Right, so Right. Well, <laughs> it's another, me. it's kind of another um, push towards like selling directly to your own store, like getting yes. off of the platforms where you're trying to send all of the traffic to these specific sites. I mean, people could still choose to go to Amazon if they if you send them direct. You could give them that link and that that opportunity. But yeah. at least if they land on your site first and you have a better experience or some something that's really interesting to them, now all of a yes. sudden they interact with you and you have that data. Right? Yes, Cuz it's, it's so more right. clean yes. data. 
Yeah, it's oh yeah, it's huge. And it's it's in more than just one spot. It's not just like Google honestly is not making money off of anybody's landing on your site, right? Like they're giving you data. Yep. Amazon yep. makes yep. money based on if somebody lands on your site and where they go and who they show and they adjust all their landing pages. I completely agree with you. I am a huge supporter right now of direct sales. I think controlling your business is a big deal. I'm seeing so many people right now, some of them that I just love. You know, one of our we have a free Facebook group for Hive uh, for finding your indie, and a lot of people come in there and they're like, "I'm just looking for a reason." I have a hundred like this one really great lady. I've, I've been friends with her forever, and she's like, "I have a hundred books out, and I'm not scaling. I'm not making any more money than I was when I had ten books out." And th- this is suppression of its worst form, right? Like, why aren't you making more money? And she put books out consistently, same kind of book. I mean, the message is clear. I could sell book 10 using the same message that she put on book one of 100, 99, you know, like that's, so when you see that, it's like, man, we got to get out from underneath these thumbs of these corporations who are keeping us squashed because we don't know how much they're selling. We have no idea. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. My my husband and I have talked about that a lot. <laughs> we're we're totally down the conspiracy rabbit hole when we get <laughs> like going as well because we're like we're very um, skeptical because we see patterns and we're, yes. we're looking at different things and we're just like this is not this is not adding up. Some of these things are not you know like this is not adding exactly. up. <laughs> yep. No, you're right. I have a yeah. friend who who totally believes that there when you hit a specific tier of sales or income. Amazon won't let you go any higher, regardless of if you actually are going higher or not. Now, this guy's a programmer. So he's like, it's very easy to do that inside of a program. And people don't realize now you can push, 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 push and push yourself to the next tier. But how much did it cost you? And how much is it going to cost you to stay there? So, I mean, I completely agree with you. The skepticism is is healthy. Everybody's like, oh, Amazon's the best thing ever. No, you know, they're, none of them are the best thing ever. Not even going direct is not the best thing ever. We have to constantly be thinking and being mindset of how can I be independent? How can I push myself and keep my readers happy? Which is ultimately what the goal is, right? I love so, that. Yeah. Katie was talking about that too. Katie Cross, she was t- when she yeah. came on the show, she was talking about that's her, her mindset first is like, is this going to benefit the readers? Is this going to be in their best interest? Are they going to enjoy this? And so if it's going to, you know, enhance their experience. Then she goes for it. And if it doesn't, then she's like, why am I bothering with that? No, the answer is no. Yeah. That's so smart. Yeah. Me too. That's a great mindset. So do you have a, like a timeframe or how often authors should be actually checking their ad dashboards or checking to see whether or not their ads are are working and then make tweaks? Yes. Oh yeah. Oh, definitely. Of course I do. You know, I do. Of course. Of course you do. (laughs) Of course I do. Of course I have a formula. There's a formula for everything. I love it. Uh, Amazon ads, I usually say start those suckers with a lower bid. Anybody who puts it like $1.50 or whatever, that's just crazy. You should not be spending that. I'm pretty conservative when it comes to money spend. So it's like, let's rein it in a little bit. So when you're starting out your AMS ads, you put a nice, you're comfortable losing $5 a day, losing, targeting with $5 a day. And that's $150 on an ad in a month. So if you're like, yeah, okay, I'm comfortable with that. Walk away, start the ad and walk away. You don't touch it for 30 days. You don't look at it. There's no need for it. Once you go back in and 30 days, then you can start doing your tweaking and your culling and you're adjusting and whatever. That's fine. Facebook, people hate my answer. Seven days. You start that ad. If you know what you're doing, you should know what you're doing. If you don't know what you're doing, then you should not be spending money, right? Like, right. Yes. If you don't know what you're doing, why are you driving the car? If you don't know what you're doing, why are you, you know, like really, (laughs) why are you playing with fire? You don't even know what you're doing. So if you don't know what you're doing with your ads, then you should not be spending money. However, if you do know what you're doing, and I'm not saying be an expert level, but if you know how to set up an ad and you know you're targeting, you know your message, all the things, $5 a day, walk away for seven days. Don't touch it. 
that should be your testing period. Once you know you're testing and you get into the seven days, you're like, okay, now I can check and see what's my income look like? What does my CTR look like? What's my CPC? Because you set it at $5. You're not going to lose more than the $7 a day. Facebook will put you like $6 on Friday and $4 on Thursday. Ultimately, in seven days, you're not going to spend more than the $5 a day on that average, right? And so many people would be like, oh my gosh, it's day two and I haven't made my money back. You're not going to. You're not going to make your money back in the first few days. Like that, if you plan on that, then it's cake after that. So let's say you go seven days without touching your your Facebook ads. Then you're going to go every three days and kind of check and see, am I going to double or like, am I doubling my income? If I'm doubling my investment, if I've doubled my investment, let's say $5 and before I wasn't making any, any money or whatever. So $5, I'm at least making 10 more dollars, right? Okay. Then I know that I'm in a good place where I can actually start to scale. And you can only scale so much though, because at some point you're going to hit a diminishing return. You're just going to. So scale slowly. Maybe don't even touch that specific ad, but duplicate that ad and add $5, you know, so you're not messing with those metrics. Because Facebook is a jerk and likes young things. (laughs) And I call it the Leonardo (laughs) DiCaprio. It likes the young ads. But you also get punished. Like if you start an ad on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you might get weekend CPC. Uh, And that sucks. CPC on the weekends is high. CPC started in November and December, super high. If you're getting like shown to specific audiences based on your, when you start like Thursday night, you start an ad on Thursday night. It's really weird because it gets through the learning or gets through the review process by Friday morning and it hits the learn, it hits the learning phase on the weekend. So you have weekend activity expected on Tuesday. So it's really like, it's one of those things where it's kind of like, am I aware of what I'm doing? Am I comfortable doing that, you know, making those changes? If I'm, if you're not, you always have to be thinking if, if, when is this going to show? Well, I want it to show to the Tuesday audience, but on Friday, I want it to show at the Tuesday cost on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Yeah. Does that make sense? Like it's a lot of information. Yeah. No, that totally (laughs) makes sense to me. And it, it, it seems like when you start a new ad too, like if you were to wait, like, or if you were to make any decisions based off of the first couple of days, those CPCs are typically higher as it's trying to learn everything it's doing anyway. Yeah. Yep. You're exactly so, right. Yeah. It'll eventually like level itself back out and, and be Hopefully, fine. Hopefully, right? Yeah. yeah I mean, Hopefully ideally, right? <laughs> yeah. And another thing to note for people who are doing ads, uh, Facebook just changed their algorithm again. So refreshing requirements used to be between six and eight weeks. Now you're looking at four. So you need to be checking four weeks. Is your frequency up? Is your CPC starting to creep up? If those two things are are happening and I frequency, I'd like to keep it below five. I'm not going to get butt hurt if I'm at four because usually I'm touching the sweet spot and I'm really getting seen again. And, you know, sure. the marketing marketing quota of, hey, you need to touch on people a few times before they actually buy. So um, but when that CPC starts to creep up at the same time, then it's time to refresh. And all you need to do for a refresh is duplicate the ad. Start it again. Make sure it's the same day that you started the ad the last time, and then pot and then keep everything else going. So it's going to be five dollar investment or whatever your you know whatever it is ten twenty forty, and you're going to let that sit for a couple of days, and then you'll pause the original ad if everything's starting to trend upward. So that's how you refresh it. That's nice and easy. And oh yeah, if not, Facebook's like, oh, this is an old ad. We won't look at it again. It's fine. <laughs> right. It's terrible. Yeah. Like, it's no terrible. one wants. No one wants to see this thing anymore. <laughs> yes. It has wrinkles. It's just love it. Yeah. Rude, rude. Oh gosh. Okay. So what's the biggest mindset shift uh, you believe that authors need to have when it comes to successfully marketing and advertising their books? Like, is there a specific mindset they need to put on their, their thinking cap and really kind of incorporate? Yeah. Yeah. I think biggest thing is, is that 
people think that marketing immediately should turn around and give you, like in your advertising, should immediately turn around and give you the dollar return. But you need to ask yourself, what is my goal here? So if, you're, if your goal is to get readers, right, to sign up, like say for your newsletter, right, for a magnet, if your goal is to get readers, you're not going to see a dollar return, are you? Not for a little while. So what are your goals? Well, my goal is to get 15 signups a day for newsletter subscribers. Am I hitting that goal? Then that is where it's making it, you know, that's where, yes, this is making sense. If it's not, what do I need to do to tweak it? Or maybe I need to adjust my goals. Goals are so important to have. So many people are like, oh no, I just put the money up and I just want to see my money go up. I, you know, I put, I spend all the money and it's hitting the walls and I'm just expecting this. And that's not the best way to really approach any business decision. Even what books you're going to write. Like if you're writing books because it makes you happy and it's fluffy and feely and I think I'm going to write a cat romance and a, over here I'm going to write sci-fi adventure and it's all under the same pen name. You're probably thinking with your heart and not with your head. So <laughs> this is kind of funny, but I tell my boys to keep the head away and to actually <laughs> think with their minds. <laughs> yeah. Because totally, but that's, I've got, you know, you have boys. They do not think all the way, the smart ways, all the ways, right? all the ways. So it's like, <laughs> hey, look, you are going to go this way instead. You're going to think with your mind. You're going to logic it out. You're going to rational it out. And if your goal actually sounds like a solid goal, then that's probably something that's going to be great for you to do. So like, let's say for your rom-coms, let's say you're like, I want to write the rom-coms because they make me feel good. And I'm like, oh, do you want to make money with it? And you're like, no, nah, I don't care about the money. Well, great. Then you don't have to have a happily ever after. You don't have to have humor. You can do whatever you want with your rom-coms. Like, you're right. right. Like, you can do whatever you, you want. You don't have to advertise. It's cool. Yeah. <laughs> no, don't do nothing. You don't have to post it up. You're just writing it for your own happiness. But if you're like coming in and you're saying, Bonnie, yeah, I want to make money with this. What do I do? You're And, they, and you want me to market for you. I'm going to say, you have tropes to hit. You have cover requirements to hit. You have blurb requirements to hit. Uh, you have a whole length requirements. Like there's a whole bunch of stuff just to hit with just the book. Now, now then we're going to start talking about the marketing side of it. Like where are your readers? Are they on TikTok? Is it a steamy book? They're most likely on TikTok and or Facebook, right? Like there's a whole slew of things to keep in mind. But if you don't know what your goal is from the outset, you're you're not going to know where you're going. You're just going to start walking around in circles, right? Like it's right. kind of a sad, sad mentality to be in. What am I doing this for? Oh, I'm writing memoirs for my kids, but I actually really like it. So now I think I'm going to sell them all and write, you know, Space Jam stuff. I don't know. I don't even know what to come up with for a, a weird genre, like dinosaur porn. Like, I don't even know, like, you know, like whatever, write whatever you want, but, and you do you, but have a goal in mind. That's, I, I, that's how I ended up with 14 pen names. It's ridiculous, right? Like, right. oh, I want to write this because I apparently have ADD and I like all the things and squirrel. I can't put it under that pen name because I know I'm a marketing person and I know better than that. I know yes. better and I still did it. So yeah, <laughs> we, so that's we what are the not mindset. immune, right? <laughs> yeah, we're not immune. No, we do. Uh, we do the crap to ourselves. So I think that's the biggest mindset thing: is do you have a goal and are you willing to take the steps to to do it? And if you're writing something just for the fun of it, do it because that's what we're all doing, right? We're trying to have fun. But if it doesn't fit your brand or something, then you know, don't expect that to be. If that, then don't expect that to be your moneymaker, right? But yep. you're doing, see, I, I love that. I love what you said. You're like, I have my urban fantasy over here. I'm tired of writing urban fantasy for right now. I'm kind of burnt out. You still have a solid catalog. You still have a solid backlist. It's not like you're abandoning the pen name. You're just opening yourself up to something new. And you're like, I'm doing a new pen name with my rom-coms. And this is where I'm going to sit at. I think that's yep. brilliant because you're acknowledging that you're tired. You're acknowledging that you need something fresh, but you're also acknowledging that, hey, I'm not going to make any cash with this if I do 
them all under the same same name. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. And it's like the audiences are so different that it's just like, I don't want to confuse anybody or confuse algorithms or any of that nonsense. It's like, like Right. Are you going to go different. direct with them? I am. Both- yeah. Yeah. Then well, you don't have to worry I, about I'm, algorithms. I'm, yeah. Well, that's true. I, well, with, with right now, the urban fantasy, I have about, I think there's three of my series that are in KU still, but I'm looking mm-hmm. at transitioning them out. I haven't pulled mm-hmm. that trigger yet, but I'm definitely thinking mm-hmm. about it. I'm kind of like on that teeter-totter right now where it's like, I, I want to know how Shopify works. And if I like it, then I would probably do it. And I, I yeah. would have to like, I, strategic is one of my top five. And so I would have to like plan the strategy mm-hmm. for like how I would do it and how it would look. And if I, you know, all the things. Yeah. So all the things, all the things it's there, but it's also in the middle of me trying to build this new pen name. And so I'm like, okay, logistically <laughs> is now the right time to be trying to pull everything I've ever done down and try to do probably not. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, I, I don't even know. Jenny's always like, do something different. And I'm like, Jenny for crying out loud. <laughs> Give me a break. I'm trying to breathe here. <laughs> <laughs> right. She used to tell me all the time. She's like, no new projects. Just finish this one. Now she's like, do this thing, do this thing. <laughs> That's like, awesome. Yeah. yeah Cause funny. there's pop, you know, there's potential, right? There's so much to do. So what you could do with your shop, well, if you were going to try Shopify is, you know, do a couple box sets and hammer out, get those up and see just minimally viable, right? So just try minimally viable thing. And I know that's what Morgana teaches um, on some of she's, I've heard her say that on some of the, like Morgana Best, I don't know if you know. Yeah. So she said that on a couple of podcasts and interviews that I've seen and she's like, minimally viable, get them up, just get things going. So I love that. That's a really good idea too. Mm -hmm. I know, right? I all know the things. Like, all the things, all the things. It'd be so cool. And it's it for me, I, I would like my highest um, strength is relator. So I love that idea of like pulling everything in yeah. and having it kind of exclusive and having this idea. So I'm I'm yeah. like, I'm this close. I really am. I'm so close to pulling. You know, you're closer. I know every day I get a little <laughs> bit closer and I'm just like, oh, and it's like, I love the idea of, you know, the Kickstarters and having like this big launch event and oh man, it's all the things. But doesn't it feel more exciting? Like I'm it more does. excited. I, yeah. I was so burnt out. I'm like, I don't want to write anymore. And I just, yeah, I've just been like, I don't even care if I do this anymore because the income just has stayed the same. I have 200 assets out under a 14 pen names and my income right? stayed the same with my books. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. Knowing what I know about ads, knowing all the things I should be nailing this. And yeah. then I was like, you know what? And then when I saw Katie Cross and I was, and I've, I've been thinking about direct sales for a while and I was like, maybe I should. Then I saw her thing at Inkers and I was like, okay, I could do this. You know, I really could do this. Then it was like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited again. And I'm going to be writing for me, right? Like I'm writing yeah. to put money in my pocket and to put really great books in my reader's hands. And that was a mind shift right there. Yeah. Like a whole mindset adjustment, which was great. It is because when you're yeah. putting it out to the, you know, the aggregators and to the stores and doing all the things, it's almost like you're putting it into their hands and hoping that it goes well. <laughs> Where when yes. you're, when it's in your own thing. Now all of a sudden you have this opportunity to create some cool new things that go along with it. The merch that can go along with that, you know, get the fandom thing going. It's like all all sorts of new opportunities pop up and you're just like, oh man, I could really, I could really make this more fun. More fun, right? For everybody. And isn't that why we started writing? Because we loved it and we really like making the worlds and, oh, they fell in love. Oh, I'm crying. Or, oh, I just killed people. (laughs) You know, I have one of my pen names is an apocalyptic thriller and I keep telling people, if you don't straighten up, I'm going to kill you in one of my books. And I tell my kids that all the time. Straighten up. I've killed your, my mother-in-law 17 times. So it's fine. <laughs> like, you know, like I do that with everybody. Like I, you'll, you'll end up dead kind of a thing, you know? So, <laughs> I love it. I, and I, to be, to be honest, I love my mother-in-law. It's just, you know, you put 
you just put yeah. things in. It's just hilarious. My brother, I don't even know how many times he's died, but it's like, <laughs> you know, like I will kill you. The milkman, I'm going to kill you like all the things. And so I even saw this meme where the, this person was like in a therapist's chair or something. And the therapist, okay, what do you do when you get mad at someone? And the writer was like, I kill them in a scene. And the therapist goes, no. And the writers or the guy goes taking notes. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's like taking notes because they're, I was like, oh my gosh, that's so perfect. Cause yeah, I feel like that. Okay. You've irritated me. You're dead, but that's, what's fun, right? Like yeah. it's fun. And that's what I miss. And I think a lot of authors are feeling that way. A lot of authors are feeling the sting and the bite of, of this dinosaur, like this dinosaur mentality of we can only go through these, ag- these, these aggregators, these retailers. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And yeah, so yeah. now it's like, Hey, I'm in charge of my own crap, dude. And with so many people doing it, like Brandon Sanderson and <laughs> We have a lot of authors out there now who are starting to go direct and they're starting to get the readers used to this mentality. And I think that is phenomenal. That's what we need. We need people. We need more to do it. And someone else was like, oh, no, I have to do it before everybody else. And all the competition. I was like, this is not a zero sum game. Your readers are not going to be the same as mine, but we can train them to enjoy buying directly from us. Like that's that's what we need. And so the more authors that we have doing this, the more the readers are doing it. And that's huge. That's huge. I agree. Well, and I think in some senses, this younger generation, as they're getting older, are getting used to that because like they grew up on YouTube and they like have all these YouTube stars that they follow and they want to get like Mr. Beast burgers and they want to get, you know, this. Oh my gosh. (laughs) So it's like they're they're already used to buying the thing directly from the creator they love. Right. right? Yes. Good point. It's starting. (laughs) It's It's a thing. I mean, it really is a thing. And yeah, I'm I'm kind of done lining Amazon's pockets, to be honest. And I yeah. see across my feed, I don't know if you see this, Chris, a lot, but I see it a lot where people are like, my Amazon account just got shut down. And I'm like, a lot. yeah, in the groups yeah. for sure. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, wait, what? Why is this a thing? Why is this allowed? I don't understand how this is okay. But th- but it's the same thing I say to add my ad people. I'll add people. If you're running ads, you're renting the audience. That's all you're doing. You're renting sure. them. So yeah. when we're on Amazon or we're on draft to digital, which I love draft to digital, if you're on the wide retailers like Kobo, yeah. Apple, whatever, if you're on there, you're renting space. That's it. You're renting a storefront. So yeah. you're in the mall. But if you're <laughs> at your own place, it's like, hey, come over here. I bought the place. It's my place. Come to hang out at my place, you know? Right. I think it's great. So do you like dice? Yeah. Sorry, I like this, dice. Come yeah. over here. <laughs> I know. Come over here. Sorry, this totally turned from marketing and ads into direct sales. <laughs> hey, it, it's both because I think it's so important. I mean, I've been talking about this on the podcast a bit where it's like, I, you know, when we started this year, I really felt like AI was going to be the transformational thing that authors were dealing with, but it's yeah. turned out to be direct sales because so many authors yeah. are transitioning with it. And maybe they're using AI as a, a tool to be able to, to help them do it. But really this has become in my mind, the bigger game changer than even right. just AI. It's just, it's been so phenomenal. I love it so much. It's great. Yeah, I agree with you. I'm using AI for audiobooks right now for a lot of my audiobook narration. Love so it. 11, yeah, the one that I found is really good. It sounds like a real person and I'm putting my voice in right now and it sounds like me. So I'm- wow. Which one yeah, is that? I'm, it's 11AI or 11labs.ai okay. or something like that. But they're a little pricey, but they're really good. And so- I I've been using them and you have to like, there's a little bit of a process. You get the the MP3 down and then you have to like transfer it and whatever, but using book funnel to deliver that it's phenomenal. It's just, and it's, I can make it cheap, right? Like yeah. I'm not paying $5,000 for a narrator. And let's, I mean, to be honest, I, I love narrators. So if I could get audiobooks making some money, I would invest in getting them narrated. But for me, I, I just haven't been able to get into the audiobook niche, right? Because 
it's been $30 for a, an audiobook. And I don't, I write sweet romances and they're usually older people who don't have that kind of an income. So yeah, I'm yeah, like, yeah. hey, why not do an audiobook for six bucks, you know, $5.99 and it's affordable. So yeah. Yeah. For all sure. the options. All love, the options. Well, and I love that. And you could always down the road have a different version, like an actual narrated yes. version. I mean, Joanna Penn talks about that all the time. They're different products. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So you're right. Very different. And, I, and like I said, I'll be narrating my own stuff. My op, my readers keep asking me for it. So I'm like, yeah, I can start doing that though. If I see an actual interest in audiobooks, you know, because so, why not just yeah. add one more thing on your plate? It's great. Why not? Carissa? <laughs> you know right. exactly what I'm talking about. Miss, I'm adding another pen name. <laughs> right. I totally get it. It's like, why not? Sure. Let's do one more thing. Why not? Who needs sleep? It's right? overrated. It is totally overrated. <laughs> Says the woman that's like, I need my eight hours. I'm not, I'm not staying up and watching another episode of Ted Lasso, honey. No, no. <laughs> Where my kids are making me rewatch TVD for like the nine billionth time, which I love oh it. Goodness. So I'm all on it. Have you seen it? TVD? I, I have not seen that one. No, but I've heard it's really good. What? Yeah. Okay. Vampire Diaries will teach. I think every author should watch Vampire Diaries. Because I am a, I'm one of those people who's like, no, the book is always better. The book is always better. Not in this case. I was a huge L.J. Smith fan. Uh, I got her book in '93, the series when it first came out, the first three books, and then the fourth one came out, and then she like passed away, and so they started like writing them. There's like 14 books in it now, 13, 14. Anyways, she, I, so I was like, this is the best book ever, best series ever. Never ever will I ever stray from this idea of vampires, and I didn't until I saw the video. I saw I saw the show, and I was like. Okay, Elena Gilbert's supposed to be blonde. What's going on? Oh. And I fell in love with the series. I will not read the books now because I'm like, no, this the this series was done so well. The character arcs, the series arc, the there's no boring parts. The entire series was just done so well. So for storytelling, I highly I'm always telling people if you want to learn how to do storytelling right and how to do a character arc right, TVD series, hands down. I love it's, it. See, and I've seen episodes so here and there, but I haven't seen the whole like the whole thing. Like, oh, okay, do it. Okay, I'll have to talk to my husband about it. Because <laughs> we okay, love, my I mean, husband I loved, likes I loved it. Buffy. I loved Buffy. He loved Buffy. Yes. So it's like, it's kind of in our like hey. wheelhouse. It's crazy. Yes, it yeah. is. You, you guys would. So my husband even likes it. And he's a guy who likes, I like Axemen. I like, <laughs> nice. I don't even know what they're called. The boys. Like Axemen. Like yeah, the boys. The boy shows, like Wilderness, Alaska, the last frontier or whatever. Like he likes those. And he's watching it with us. So. That's yeah, awesome. we're all addicted to TVD. So it's gross, though. There are hearts ripped out. Just warning you. <laughs> I totally understand that one. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We're, we were <laughs> just watching From, and that, that one's pretty gross, too. But it's good. It's, it's a good It show. is good. It yeah, is. It's like Lost for the next generation. Yes. Oh. And it's even got uh, the guy that played Michael in Lot from Lost. So it's great. <laughs> Does it? Really? Wait. Okay, now I got to go back and watch it because I haven't. I don't remember him being in it. But it's been a while since yeah. Lost. So, okay, yeah, now the, I have to watch main, all the things. Like the main character, the sheriff, is actually from Lost. Yeah. Okay, yes. Now I know what you're talking about. Yes. Yep. yep. But then so. maybe I need to watch Lost again just for fun. Right? Because that was a good show, too. <laughs> because I've got time. Right? Because why not? Why not? Slip it in there somewhere. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. (laughs) Okay. One more question before we go. So advertising is obviously daunting for a lot of newbie authors. And this was a question Mm -hmm. I had um, from my audience. Do you have any advice if if they're just newbies, they're just getting started, like what platform should they tiptoe in understanding first? Or should they start with strategy first? Or what what, what would you recommend? Okay. Yes. Strategy first. So here's my thing on that. If you are a new author, you need to come into this with the mentality of, are your books good? Not just, yeah, they're good. They're go- Are they good? Because you want to float to the cream. There's 14 million books right now on Amazon. You're just throwing your book up with everybody else's. So you need to be able to say, okay, for instance, let's just 
I'm going to write YA bully romance. I have the next three series planned out in my head. So this is this is the mentality you need to have. I'm going to work on book one. Then I'm going to work on book two. And I'm going to put up, maybe I'll, when I'm starting to work on book three, I'll put book one out, book two out on pre-order and book three up on pre-order, right? So then, and then have the plan that you're going to release a box set in say six months, okay? And let's say that you have this whole thing all ready to go. And then you're like, and I know I'm going to be working on this next series. And then I'm be working on the next series. So once you have that strategy in mind of what your production schedule is, then it's a lot easier to be like, okay, now I'm going to start pushing this and I'm going to start pushing this and I'm going to start Facebook ads on book one and to the box set when that's ready to come out. You know, I'm going to start the pre-order push. I'm going to start my newsletter. Your newsletter should be the first thing that you're working on ever, period, ever. So if you have all these books and you're like, oh, what do I do? You write a magnet and you can run ads to your magnet if that's what you want to do. You can share it with people, do the book funnel promos, do all the things, but get that newsletter list started. Because let's say we have people listening to us today and they're like, oh, I don't care about direct sales. I'm in KU. I'm hardcore. Or I don't care about direct sales. That's too hard for me. I just want to do wide, right? That's all they want to do. And that's great. But that you that is listening to us right now might change their mind in a year, might change their mind in two years. And then what do you have? You've got audiences that you borrowed from KU and wide, but you don't have them retained anywhere. You don't have them on a newsletter. You don't have them in your Facebook group. You don't have them anywhere because you've had this mentality of, I'm just going to be in KU or I'm just going to be wide. So you always need to be looking ahead. What do I want to do? Well, you can do whatever you want if you own your own newsletter list. So that's the first thing you should be working Absolutely. on. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So then you want to talk about ads? Awesome. Let's talk about ads. Let's talk about your different marketing stuff. But until you have your newsletter list started, I actually just kind of got into a thing with a client. And I was like, you are not even letting me push your newsletter list. And she goes, Bonnie, I don't want to tell you this, but I don't actually don't have a newsletter list. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> That's one of the first questions I ask. And you told me you had a list. She was, I lied. Oh, I was like, oh my gosh. We're together for three months and you lied to me. I felt so dirty. Like I felt used. I was like, this is really, I don't understand what's happening right now. Like what is going on? You know, like, no, this is not okay. Did I skip dimensions? Like what's happening? I know. Yes. Like she was, she's making like 25,000 a month. I mean, this is not a small author, but there's no newsletter list. I'm like, okay, we're stopping your ads until you get a newsletter list. I was like, this is ridiculous. So newsletter list, get your newsletter list, treat them like your friends. If you have that in place, then you can start to really stress about it. Um, Somebody who's doing a really good job at this, uh, Becky's, I'm going to say her last name wrong, Svar. I'm going to say it wrong. She's a brand new author and she just released her first rom-com and she did it smart, man. She's been doing TikToks for it. She's been working on her newsletter. She's been networking like crazy. She's got book two getting ready to come out. She has done it smart. I am just like, wow. Like I was, uh, yeah, I've just been floored by the way she's been doing this brand new author, just kind of taking her time and doing everything right. And so I was like, you're the what to do, you know, these days, because back when you and I started, Krista, it was like, yeah, you could throw a book up and make some money. It wasn't a big deal, but now it's not like that anymore. So for sure. And it it definitely gets more tricky, like as everything goes on. Yeah. It's like Mm -hmm. what worked, you know, six months ago or three months ago sometimes isn't working. And then you have to try to pivot and you're trying to go, why is this not working right? Yeah, exactly. And some people are still lost in five years ago when it was like the whole 20 books mentality of 99 cents release and $10,000 spend on the week. Like that's not the mentality. We can't do that anymore. Well, and it's not like you're going to hit a list anymore either. So it's like, why why would you do that? Yeah. Right. Although I did see USA Today looks like they're back. Are they? 
Yeah, I was like out for like two days, but I don't know if they're allowing indies on or not. I don't know. I'll let you know, but that's what I saw. I'll see if I can find the article and send it to you. Oh, I totally missed that. I would love to see that. Yeah, for sure. So I was like, what just happened? What? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Hold the presses. (laughs) Yeah, like time warp. What's going on? Like (laughs) whatever. So yeah, it's it's been a weird year when it comes to all that stuff for sure. (laughs) Just a weird year. Weird everything. Weird decade. It's crazy. It, it really has been. It really has been fun in some ways, but definitely yeah. weird. Definitely <laughs> weird. Not expected. Oh, goodness. <laughs> well, Bonnie, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing so many in- insights. I mean, we had we had a lot of questions to cover. And <laughs> I was like, I don't know how we're gonna do it, but we're gonna make it happen. <laughs> Thankfully, you talk we... as fast as I do. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. Thank you so much for having me. This is so much fun. You're just a delight. I think you are just a sweetheart. So thank you for oh, letting me work with it. Come on here you. with you. Thank you for sure. Now, before we go though, can you give my audience some uh, quick resources on how they can learn more about you, your courses, what you offer, and obviously more about your team, if you want to be able to share that as well. Yeah, great. Thanks. So um, I'm with Indie Marketing Mastery with John and Joe, with John's Logs in and Joe Slari. And we, um, you can go to IndieMarketingMastery.com. I also have Finding Your Indie. Uh, we have a YouTube channel where we give tons of, like we do ad account audits, spotlights. We actually do tons of YouTube, like tons of Facebook, oh, just all marketing tips and stuff on Mondays. And, and then we also have a free Facebook group and it's the Finding Your Indie marketing. I don't even know what it's called. Forget it. It's Finding Your Indie something or other. I don't know. And then we <laughs> have- Finding Your um, Indie and Bonnie have, Paulson. <laughs> yeah, right? Like all the things. I don't even know what it's called. Just whatever. We have tons of stuff. Um, but yeah, we have some courses and we have Hivemind, which is actually a really great monthly resource where people, it's a Facebook group, but you have access to all of our courses and any upcoming courses. And then we actually, it's kind of like a one-on-one consult. We're actually doing a Zoom meeting today for the HiveMind group. So we can actually talk about questions they have about ads and is my brand working right? What's my message and all the things. So that's good. That's really fun. And then I have Boss Mode launching and I'll probably send you a link and give you more information about that. But Boss Mode is launching at the end of August. And that's actually where I teach people how to create their own ad and marketing strategies. And it's super intense. But it's really good. So how does it use how how will it differ then from IMM? So IMM is actually the overall look at everything, right? So it tells you how to straighten out your foundations and how to get your message completely wrangled the correct way and how to identify your audience and how to run your ads and like all of it, right? Right. Uh, boss boss mode is literally just how are you going? What are you going to plan for the next quarter for your marketing, for your advertising? What are you doing for promotions? What are you doing? And it, and I teach how to do it so that your whole, everything's already planned and scheduled before the three months even starts. So nice. then you can just walk away and you can go and do your writing and do your other stuff because you and I have a billion other things. And I guarantee most <laughs> other authors are working on a billion other things. So right. this is one way to wrangle that and to really make sure that you know what you're doing and you have it all planned out. So there's no stress during the quarter. So it's actually awesome. Yeah. Love it. Thanks. It's awesome. Well, thank you, Bonnie. Thank you for being here. I'm so excited. Thank you. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you so much. You too. And I appreciate it. This was a lot of fun. (laughs) See, didn't I tell you, you needed to have some coffee or something like headphones and just be paying attention because the two of us, when we get going, oh man, we talk fast and I love it. I love when I can actually have a conversation with someone and they can keep up at my speed because most of the time it's usually them trying to keep up with me. But I'll tell you, I was trying to keep up with Bonnie. She was incredible. The amount of knowledge and insights and obvious expertise about what she's talking about is very, very profound and very much easy to pick out as you're listening to her answers, right? 
So if you want to check out Indie Marketing Mastery, I will make sure that there's a link into the show notes. I think actually as of right now, they have reopened the doors. So if you're interested in getting into that particular course where Bonnie and Joe Solari and John are all working together to help you create a a very effective marketing strategy, check it out. I'll have the link to finding your indie as well. And I just want you to know, like Bonnie and Mandy are amazing people. And if you're looking for someone to really increase and up your game when it comes to ad spend, as long as you meet those criteria that she was talking about, I think you're going to find Bonnie is probably one of the best in the business. She is absolutely smart as a whip. I just love her to pieces. And I hope that you enjoyed this podcast episode and interview as much as I enjoyed having it because it was just an absolute joy talking with her. I can't wait to bring her back onto the show. Obviously, I want to see how her direct sales shop has gone and tell her that I've been doing it myself and didn't listen to a darn thing (laughs) I said in this interview before uh, I went ahead and went direct sales. I literally had this conversation probably two or three weeks before I finally said, screw it, and decided to go ahead and uh, do a direct store anyway for my urban fantasy. So I hope you got a little chuckle listening to a blast from the past, technically, because the the interview took place before I actually created my website. But I just I got a giggle out of it anyway, because obviously I can't not do something when it's so cool and it's sounding so exciting. And my activator uh, strength was just like, do it, do it. You must do it. So (laughs) I think Bonnie probably helped me make that decision. There you go, Bonnie. I'm blaming you. It's all you. (laughs) All right, guys. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your week. If you have not yet checked out Four Books Five Days, I just wanted to give you a quick update and let you know we had an absolute blast for the first live cohort. It was so much fun. And the course itself, while the cohort is over, it's going to remain open. So if you want to check it out, if you are like, dang it, I missed it, just head over to authorrevolution.org forward slash four books five days or to the show notes for today's podcast episode, because it'll be there as well. But bigger news yet, we have decided, or I have decided, that we're going to be launching a live cohort of Rapid Release Roadmap. Now, this course has been ongoing. I usually launch it this time of the year with discounts and whatnot, but this is the first time we've done it as a live cohort. And so what does that mean? We're going to be launching it so that everybody can hop into the course, and we're all going to go through it at the same time. So week one is going to start on October 16th. We'll have our first live like Q&A call on Saturday the 21st. So if you're looking for more sustainability with your authorship, with your author career and building it bigger, this is the course for you. Now, I'm in the process of creating new content that's going to go into this course that's going to include modules on direct sales, on AI, obviously, and prompts that we can use throughout the different parts of our journey. So there's new stuff that's going to be added in very soon. It hasn't been added in yet, but it's coming. And if you're looking for that, make sure you're paying attention to the emails or get on my email list or just reach out to me because I do have special coupon codes that you can be using if you wanted to be able to save some money on the course. So just reach out to assistant at authorrevolution.org or you can reach out to me, carissa at authorrevolution.org and I can give you those for you. And I hope that you'll join us because it's going to be super fun. Not only is it going to be the new students, new people who are coming into this course, but it's also going to be a revival for any of you who are part of the program already. So if you're a student of Rapid Release Roadmap and you want to get in on the action, get in on some excitement and have fun with authors who are also in this journey, 
I encourage you to kickstart it again with us. It's a six-week program from start to finish. It's not as long as Millionaire Author Manifestation, so don't worry there. But it's a lot of fun, and it will take us through most of NaNoWriMo. So we're going to be talking about whether or not we want to do sprints together. There's a lot of fun things that are going to be coming out throughout this live cohort. So check it out. You can head over to rapidreleaseroadmap.com if you want to get signed up. And of course, if you want to be able to get the discount codes, reach out to me and we will make sure that you've got them. There is a special discount that is going on until we close the doors on the 15th. So just reach out. All right, download today's transcript by going over to authorrevolution.org forward slash 204. Holy cow, 204. Still can't believe it. And yeah, I hope you enjoyed all of the things that Bonnie and I talked about. It was a fun and fascinating and insightful conversation, and I can't wait to bring Bonnie back again. She was so wonderful. All right, have a wonderful rest of the week. I am literally a couple of chapters away from finishing my rom-com, so I'm going to go do that. (laughs) Have a great week. We'll talk to you soon. Go forth and start your author revolution. This podcast episode has been brought to you by four amazing people, Daphne Garrison, Tammy Tyree, Quinn Ward, and Scarlett Braden, who are Author Revolution Podcast Patreon supporters. If you'd like to learn more about becoming a patron, head over to authorrevolution.org forward slash Patreon to find out what the awesome membership levels are and what you end up getting. The Author Revolution Podcast is here to provide tips, tricks, and tools for embracing a prolific author mindset and making your dreams of becoming a full-time author a reality. In order to continue providing the quality content you've come to know and love, I would appreciate your support. As a one-woman show, the podcast takes a lot of time away from other tasks, like writing. (laughs) Plus, your support also makes this mompreneur's heart smile. Head over to authorrevolution.org forward slash Patreon.